Good morning. We continue our series today in the book of 1 Samuel on the life of David, and we've entitled the series After Your Heart. Today's uh, sermon will be from 1 Samuel chapter 25, uh, the story of Abigail and Nabal. Uh, it's a story that we're probably familiar with, and yet uh, there's uh, some real drama that goes on in this story, and there's some real lessons that we can take from it, and I hope to end with a challenge today. The story begins after Saul's uh, attempted um, murder of David in Engedi uh, in the previous chapter, and in this chapter, uh, David is only about uh, 25 miles or 10 miles east of or west of where he was in Engedi, and he's uh, close to a town called Carmel. Now, Carmel was just a mile or so from where this couple that I mentioned lived, uh, Nabal and Abigail. And <clears throat> at the beginning of our story today, uh, Nabal is uh, uh, doing uh, sheep shearing. Now, this was a big job for him because he was a rich man and he had a lot of sheep. In fact, he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, the, uh, the scriptures tell us. And so he was uh, working on managing all those sheep and goats. Uh, he had uh, quite a crew to help him. And uh, David was now in the area. And we discover uh, later in the chapter that uh, David is mixing well with this group of shearers and shepherds. Uh, in fact, he's uh, taking care of them and, and protecting them. Uh, and so the, he's had some time with them. Let me just read verses 2 through 4 of 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 25. I'd love to read the whole thing. It's uh, so well put in in this chapter, but uh, we don't have time to read all the verses, so I'll just be picking out verses. But uh, here's verses 2 through 4. There was a man in Maon, Maon is just a mile from Carmel, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So here's David, and he's, uh, he uh, is about to encounter Nabal, and eventually he will encounter Abigail as well. We can't imagine a more uh, contrasting couple than these two. Uh, it says that she was discerning and beautiful, and it says that he was harsh and badly behaved. And both of these characteristics come out quite strongly in the story. In fact, one wonders how they ever uh, got matched up together. They were so very different. So what David does is ask for food. He's got 600 men with him. Uh, his faithful followers in his uh, his exile and uh, and they're men of war uh, they're strong men and uh, and they're hungry men and he needs 
he needs some food. So he decides he's going to ask Nabal if he could spare some food. Nabal's a rich man. Why not? And so uh, the, remember that this is not an insignificant request. It's for 600 men. But he sends a few of his servants to Nabal with this request, and he has them point out how well they've been uh, interacting with Nabal's shepherds and shearers, uh, how they've been protecting them, and uh, it's quite a reasonable thing. Uh, that's the message that they're supposed to communicate when they reach, uh, when they reach Nabal and pass him this message. Now the next little section in chapter 25 from verses 9 through 13 is, uh, is Nabal's response to this reasonable request from David's men. By the way, they have identified themselves as men of David. And of course, David was famous throughout the land at this point, so Nabal would know quite well uh, who, who was asking for the food. It was, uh, it was David. And this should have uh, carried quite a bit of clout uh, at that point. But it didn't carry clout with Nabal. Um, in fact, let me read verses 10 and 11. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? What a response. He was just a nasty man. He was boorish, rude, insensitive, uh, selfish. He <clears throat> had no respect for David. In fact, <clears throat> he was criticizing David for his relationship with Saul and uh, blaming it on David, um, calling him someone who had broken away as a servant of Saul. Um, he had no hospitality, no generosity, no grace. He was just a, um, a boorish man. Well, of course, David's men uh, go back uh, to report this, and uh, David is uh, just incensed by what Nabal has said. And uh, he, he says, oh, we can imagine him uh, just thinking things like, uh, no one treats me like this, and look at all I've done for the people of Israel, and I haven't rebelled against Saul, and he's rich. He can easily afford my request. The one thing, uh, that, that was all imaginary, but the one thing he actually says that the scripture records is, strap on your swords. So his immediate reaction to this uh, boorish response to his request is retaliation. He's going to retaliate. And, uh, and so he tells, he tells uh, 400 of his 600 men to strap on their swords, and he's leaving the other uh, 200 behind to guard the camp uh, while they're gone. Um, so I would, like to, I would like to just point out at this point that this is sort of the first uh, point of contact with our own experience, and I really want to stress this. I want, us, I want us all to think about this in our own lives. 
we don't have experiences like this where we're uh, asking somebody uh, to feed 600 of our followers. Uh, but we do, have, we do have experiences like this at a much smaller scale in our lives. Many, many such experiences. Um, and, and we have a choice uh, how we're going to react to them. And, and it's, it seems to be a characteristic of human nature that we, we want to react. Um, our first reaction, our, our natural man reaction, our sinful reaction, is the reaction that David had. It's the reaction of retaliation. Um, it's, it's revenge. Uh, we sometimes justify it in our own minds by saying, um, that person has acted poorly and I need to, I need to punish him or I need to, um, I need to show him justice, uh, as if we are somehow the judge and executioner, uh, but it's really just a justification for, uh, getting revenge. And as I say, there's lots of instances of this, sometimes, uh, quite small scale, um, and the, the one that uh, sprung to my mind that I think we probably have all had is uh, uh, examples of this when we're driving. And I think we can all relate to this, how when we're driving, someone cuts us off or beeps their horn unjustly at us. And uh, when we have, we have a retaliation action. And I would be surprised if there's any of us who haven't, um, at, least, at least at some time, retaliated uh, um, quickly and um, <clears throat> maybe beeped our own horn or if someone cuts us off we 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 run our car up close behind the other car we flash our lights um, or maybe worse um, and so this is this is just an example of what I'm saying that these kinds of things happen to all of us in our lives all the time well, let's move on with our story. In, uh, in the next little paragraph here from verses 14 to 17, we might entitle this, In the Meantime, because uh, one of the servants of Nabal uh, goes back the mile to Maon, where uh, Nabal and Abigail have their house, and he reports this incident to Abigail. He's seen it, and he reports it to her. And, uh, and he basically tells her um, everything uh, that happens. Let me just read one verse out of that paragraph, verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. That's a pretty good word, railed. He just uh, he let loose and <clears throat> showed no grace whatsoever. And he goes on to... Uh, justify David's request and to confirm that David and his men had treated uh, Nabal's servants very well in the time that they had uh, been around them. And he's very worried about what's going to happen because he knows David's reputation as a man of war and he suspects that uh, they're all in deep trouble at this point. Uh, and so he, he, uh, he's asking um, uh, Abigail if she will, if she will intervene in fact, he says in verse 17, Now therefore know this, 
and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. So it's, it's clear that the writer of 1 Samuel uh, had a very low opinion of Nabal, as did his servants. And I'm guessing his wife did as well. Um, although she was such a gracious woman, she may never, never have said anything about it. But he was, uh, as I say, a nasty man, and uh, those servants uh, suffered just from being under him. And there are people like this in the world, and we've probably all met uh, people like this. Maybe, maybe not a lot, hopefully not a lot, but people who are selfish and rude and uncaring, um, they're just a, a drain on everybody around them. And their actions aren't necessarily illegal. Uh, and for that reason, there's no real legal way to tame them, to, to correct their behavior, uh, short of, of them uh, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and having uh, their lives transformed by him. They just continue in their, in their attitudes and their, uh, their draining behavior that just is uh, sucks the life out of of all the people around them uh, and our own natural reaction to these kinds of people is is like David's it's I need to teach that person a lesson I need to put them in their place um, I need to assert my rights that they've stepped on and of course we know that we know that all of this is wrong and uh, I believe that a lot of a lot of the conflict in human history, can be traced to ex escalations from situations like this. This is how conflicts start. And it's our first reaction in, in times like this. Well, apparently Abigail was a woman of action. Not only was she beautiful and gracious, but she was a woman of action. And we read in the next uh, section from verses 18 through 22 uh, what, what she does immediately and time is of the essence, because David has already said, strap on your swords. So let me read verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. So clearly what she intends to do is to bring a peace offering to David to uh, cut him off at the pass so to speak, as he's heading towards conflict with Nabal and uh, offer him uh, this uh, peace offering of food, which is what he'd been asking for in the first place. And Abigail obviously thinks that, that uh, Nabal should have satisfied his request, and so and she's going to try to do it. But it's amazing how she uh, goes about this. Um, she had choices in that she could have done nothing, and if she did nothing, um, she would have, it would have been a way of getting rid of her husband. Let's put it that way. Um, so, but she doesn't, she doesn't do that. She could have gone further and, and tried to call up local friends who were, uh, who also didn't like Nabal and, and have them act as uh, temporary soldiers, mercenaries, and go and, um, uh, uh, fight. Uh, but she doesn't do that. Instead, she takes a riskier path, and her riskier path is to try uh, reconciliation. 
And so there's that second word that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, retribution or reconciliation. And uh, she tries the recon she's going to try the uh, reconciliation route. Apparently, if you read these verses uh, yourself, you'll see that uh, she really believed in David, uh, unlike Nabal. Um, and she believed in him like uh, much of the rest of, of Israel. Um, uh, she, she saw him as the future prince, the future king. And, um, and uh, so she's, uh, she's willing to do this. Uh, first, to, to settle the conflict, and sec secondly, because she recognizes who, who David is and what his future is. Um, she knows quite well that this will enrage Nabal, and, uh, and so she's careful to avoid him. She goes by a route that uh, avoids him and uh, takes the donkeys. In fact, she sends the donkeys on ahead uh, first, so that the first thing that David sees is the donkeys. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, and then she shows up after that. She chose the the nobler path, um, but it's harder, it's risky, and and as we'll see, it's humiliating. And uh, actually, she actually puts David to shame when she uh, meets with him. Um, we're going to see that in a moment. Now, the longest section that we have here is uh, from uh, verse 23 to 31. And the bulk of this little section is what Abigail says to David when uh, she gets there. Um, and she has a lot to say. I'm just going to read two verses. Verse 25, Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, referring to her husband, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord, whom you sent. And then verse 27, she says, And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And so she's, she uh, confesses to David that uh, her husband um, is, is foolish, uh, like his Hebrew name implies. Uh, that um, he acted foolishly. Um, she, she puts herself on the side of David, agreeing that the treatment that David got was, uh, was something that she had seen often in her husband. Um, this is really uh, a remarkable encounter here between Abigail and David. And uh, David, uh, I dare say, was uh, just astonished at what she had to say. Um, she pleads for David uh, not to act in retaliation. Um, and she gives reasons for it. And David is, is listening. Um, uh, like the one who's not a fool in Proverbs, he's willing to uh, take rebuke. And uh, so she mentions in verse 26 that um, he will... Uh, if David restrains himself from this action that he's proposing, that he won't end up with blood guilt on him. Uh, she says in verse 28 that evil won't be found in him, implying that evil will be found in him if, if, he, if he goes ahead with this. And she says in verse 31 that he would be free of pangs of conscience. 
And so she gives us some very good reason. She says, think about the future. Think about where you're heading and, and uh, what's going to go on in, in your heart, in your mind, if you do this action. This will, this will be something you can't take back and it will, be, um, it, will be, uh, it will leave you with a guilty conscience for the rest of your life if you do this. And then in an even more amazing uh, um, set of statements, she shows that she's a godly woman and she recognizes who the judge is, the true judge. And, and she says to him, God will protect you from your true enemies in verse 29. Um, and she says, she even says, God will raise you up to be king in verse 30. And so she, she links this in, the idea that uh, David has a destiny that, um, that needs to, to be thought about before he takes this action. So, as I say, David must have been astonished at this speech, this, this beautiful, gracious woman standing before him and giving him these deep spiritual uh, and psychological, we could say, insights into his character and his destiny, and, uh, and he's uh, completely wowed by the whole thing. Um, he's, he's actually put to shame as he, as he thinks about this. Um, I'm reminded of First uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, I'd like to just read uh, verses 21 through 23. Um, it says, um, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued trusting himself to him who judges justly. This was, this was the, uh, the point that Abigail was trying to make with David, that uh, she, he needed to leave uh, the, the judgment of Nabal up to God. And she, she knew his, his godliness she knew that he was a servant of God, and so she was appealing to something deeper in his uh, spiritual walk than the, um, the retribution that's right on the surface and that's often uh, just connected with adrenaline, first reaction to, to, uh, to danger. And so as we, uh, we compare what uh, Peter said, um, in his uh, in his first letter to David's situation, we could say this that uh, Christ Christ himself was far more capable of retaliation than David. Remember, he said that he could have called down twelve legions of angels at any point during that uh, sequence of events at, the, at his crucifixion, and he was far more deeply reviled than David. David was just. Uh, annoyed at, at this, at this uh, churlish man that had um, rebuffed his request. But uh, think of what Christ went through and the reviling that uh, was given to him. And yet, look at their reactions. David was thinking of retribution, but Christ says, did not revile in return. And we can read through the gospel accounts of his resurrection and see how graciously he reacted in that situation. And uh, 
this, uh, these words that Peter gave there aren't intended just as, as an observation about Christ, something we can worship about him. They're intended as an example for us that this is how we should be as well. If Christ can do this, then David can do it, and we can do it. In fact, David's reaction was immediate. It says uh, in verses 32 and 33, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. Abigail's gamble, the risk that she took, has now paid off, and, and uh, uh, all, the, all the fury has gone out of David. He stopped seeing red, as it were, and, uh, and he, humbled, he humbles himself before God and before, even before Abigail. Um, and so, uh, uh, if you read uh, those next few verses, up to verse 35, you'll see that um, he acknowledges uh, the lives that she just saved. He had vowed, incidentally, to kill uh, every single male. He was going to kill Nabal and all his servants and his shearers and his shepherds. Uh, and uh, he's going he to slaughter the lot of them. And here uh, Abigail has saved all these lives. And in the end of that little paragraph, he accepts her gift. He takes the food, uh, which is the gracious thing to do. He doesn't just say, oh no, uh, you've been so kind in averting the uh, my bad behavior that uh, you just take your food home. No, he graciously accepts it. And, uh, and so his, his, uh, his own troops can now be fed. Well, now there's the issue of uh, what does Abigail tell Nabal? And uh, that's our next little section from verse 36 to 38. Um, let me just read the whole section because <laughs> it's quite interesting. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things. And his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Well, well. As, as Abigail had been out uh, doing her, her uh, beautiful uh, deed, her beautiful intervention, her beautiful reconciliation, uh, Nabal had been uh, whooping it up at home with his, his drinking companions and getting very drunk. And uh, it just, it just uh, what a dramatic picture that is of the contrast between the two of them. And so uh, after after Abigail waits for the morning and he's hungover, she tells him this. And uh, the words there, his heart died within him and, uh, and he became as a stone. I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe it means that he had a stroke. Uh, I don't know. But um, he uh, got to live 10 more days uh, uh, reliving in his mind all the, the uh, miserable actions that he'd caused in his life. Um, the Lord didn't... Uh, immediately take him. Uh, he, he left him to linger for 10 days. And uh, in a way, it's a satisfying conclusion to the story. Uh, we don't want to wish ill on anybody, of course, but, um, but it is a, a satisfying uh, end to the story. 
I wonder if it was events like this that um, caused David to write those psalms. Many of the psalms he talks, uh, he, he uses language like, uh, Lord, uh, slay my enemies, um, uh, uh, bring curses on my enemies. And uh, we, th those words tend to grate with us, but uh, maybe the right way to look at those um, imprecations, as we call them, um, is that that's David uh, saying, I'm not going to make the mistake that I almost made with Nabal and try to do that myself. But Lord, I depend on you, and you are the judge, and you are the one who will take care of these things. Well, and of course, this story has a beautiful ending. It has a fairy tale ending. Uh, it's just it's just really quite, quite beautiful. Um, in verses 39 through 42, um, uh, 30, at the beginning of that section, uh, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. So two things he's thankful for, that justice was done, and that he didn't uh, um, incur blood guilt on himself for doing it himself, but he trusted the Lord. Uh, and so that's, that's just a, a, a beautiful lesson for us in, um, in trusting the Lord uh, for justice. Justice will ultimately be done. He is the, the great judge. But then there's an addendum to it, uh, a beautiful addendum. Um, when he hears of Nabal's death, uh, he is so taken with Ab Abigail that he uh, he sends a, a message, sends some of his servants to her and says, "I would like you to be my wife." Well, actually, one of his wives. He had several, but um, and uh, and of course she is uh, overwhelmed by that. Let me just read uh, two more verses. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, "David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife." And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And uh, that just so fits with what we know about Abigail. She was gracious and humble and considered herself, even though she was clearly a great woman with great character, she considers herself only worthy to be a servant to servants. Uh, and that's just a lovely thing. But she goes and uh, she goes with uh, five of her handmaids and uh, she follows the messengers of David and becomes his wife. And that's the end of the chapter. As far as we know, they only had one child, um, at least only one that's named. His name was Daniel. And we know nothing about him except that his mother was Abigail. Um, but uh, that was the end of that beautiful story. So it's a lesson in retribution or reconciliation, choices in our lives. I'd like to leave you with the following challenge. For the next week, um, look at all of your interactions with people. Look at them objectively. And uh, look at the ones where, where that little thing boils up inside you. And these can be very minor things, but uh, just in a conversation with a spouse or a child or an interaction with a driver on the road. And uh, so the first week of this challenge isn't, to, isn't uh, to change your behavior, but to observe your behavior and find out uh, 
when you do these things. And I think for most of us, this will be an eye-opener as we, as we sort of keep a, a third eye out here looking at, a, looking at ourselves and how we're reacting. Um, are we really, um, are we really, in fact, uh, engaging in retaliation? And then, of course, the the uh, following weeks is uh, is uh, to try to change that behavior, to note the places where we're not good at this, where we we seek retribution rather than reconciliation, and and to work on that. And here's just three final tips for doing that. First of all, pause. When there's a when there's a situation, driver cuts us off, our wife speaks to us, our husband speaks to us in a in a, a harsh way. Just pause before responding. Give it a moment. Think about it. Um, uh, a lot of the difficulty in in retribution is our haste. David immediately said, "Strap on your swords." So pause, and then in that pause, think uh, think about the Lord. Think about what David said. He trusted to God. Think about the Lord Jesus, who who uh, did not revile in return, but trusted. Uh, trusted in God to uh, justly judge. And finally, um, uh, a tip is take a lower position. We've, we've got this a uh, number of times in, in the scripture uh, challenging us to take a lower position, but this is a specific instance of that, to take a lower position, to take the humble position uh, when we've been wronged. Um, it's easy to take a humble position when we're in the right, uh, but when we're in the wrong, it's difficult. And so we can challenge ourselves with that. So that's it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, looking at uh, 1 Samuel 25 and uh, think about the challenge for the coming week.